From the Truman State University Index, my name is Ryan Pavoni, and this is Dry Ink. Today, we're sitting down with Index News reporter Jenna Manzelli to talk about the partnership between Complete Family Medicine and Truman's Student Health Center. It's Thursday, March 18th. Can you tell us a little bit about what you found out about Complete Family Medicine and the Student Health Center? Yeah, sure. I found out a lot about it. Uh, One of my best interviews was actually just with uh, President Thomas, and she kind of illuminated some of the things that were going on before the switch that led up to the change. So it wasn't that like the Student Health Center before wasn't meeting student needs. But with the COVID pandemic, um, I think they were kind of worried that if a COVID outbreak were to happen within the health center, there weren't any extra staff that they could pull in to help cover student needs for care. So that was one thing I learned about it. Um, I think it could help solve that problem if it were to come up. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the other factors that led over to the deal? Yeah, sure. I think the main focus was just making sure that students would continue having access to care in a timely manner. So this especially applies to like UCS, where some students had difficulty finding appointments or they were maybe put on a wait list. I think with this um, switch with CFM kind of stepping in, there's going to be some other options for counseling for students, which is going to be a really good thing in my opinion, or that's what I've learned. Um, There's an option for like telecounseling that offers different languages, which might be really helpful for international students. Mm. And that telecounseling um, option, it's through um, a organization called um, Morneau Chappelle, They also have a very diverse network of counselors. So that might be really great for students who might want to find somebody that they feel like they could relate to a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So I think that access to care in a timely manner um, was kind of the biggest thing that led to this change. Yeah, I mean, just last semester, we were reporting a story that UCS had a wait list um, that seemed to be growing and growing. So Um, I imagine this is a step in a better direction. Yeah, definitely. When I talked to uh, President Thomas, she also revealed that um, CFM was looking to hire more counselors and more diverse counselors. So I think this could definitely be a good step in eliminating that wait list. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, like, why complete family medicine? Were there any other options that Truman was looking at? Yeah, so President Thomas didn't mention any specific other um, healthcare organizations or systems, but I know when they started looking for somebody, it was a multi, multi-month process. So it, everything started back in around June 2020, and they sent out something called the RFP, which is a request for proposals, and they kind of sent that around um, for different like local healthcare systems hmm. that could potentially um, submit their proposal, which would be looked over and reviewed. 
by a committee of like Truman faculty. So that included um, some business office representatives, uh, the vice president for student affairs, and also uh, Brenda Higgins, who will be retiring soon, but has been overseeing the student health center and the university counseling services. So I think this decision was really made over a very long amount of time so they could make sure they were working out all of those details. I mean, that's along with like things like contracts and like all of the legal aspects that go into it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why that switch kind of took so long to really happen because that didn't, the switchover didn't happen until March 8th, which is pretty recent. (laughs) Yeah. And what were you able to find out about like how it's going so far? Yeah. So there has been like one student that came to me or came to one of the editors uh, that had had some issues with the transition. So I talked to uh, Leslie Hawk, who's a senior at Truman, and she didn't really have a smooth process with, with the switchover. So basically Leslie's counselor left amid the switch. Mm. And I don't think the reason why was really stated by the counselor. So I can't really say why that could have been. But as far as I know, um, when I interviewed Leslie, which was about two weeks ago now before spring break, uh, Truman did not reach out to offer a new counselor. Hmm. Uh, So that might be a problem if uh, people's counselors especially are leaving. It might not be um, a huge uh, problem if a certain nurse or doctor is leaving since uh, students might see a different doctor every time they go to the health center. But if different counselors are leaving, that might be a problem for students who are really needing help in times of crisis, or if they might just be needing help with um, appointments. So hopefully uh, they're working out all these issues, the university is and the student health center is, and hopefully there aren't any more like kind of kinks in the switch here. I want to dig into this uh, idea of how this transition affects students currently u- utilizing um, UCS or maybe student health center services that were previously provided by Truman. Um, so what does this look like for the individual? Does it change how much they pay, how much they're waiting, anything like that? Yeah, so it's it's very different on the student health center and the UCS kind of side. So each of them is a little different. Hmm. For the student health center, the change might be better for pricing because CFM is part of a hospital system because they're from Hannibal Regional Regional um, <laughs> Medical System. So that might lead to more coverage for students, just because more network. Um, it might be in network for more students. Hmm. So that could be a, a positive change as far as the student health center goes. Uh, they also have a sliding scale option uh, through CFM. So any student could potentially apply uh, maybe if they didn't have insurance coverage and uh, CFM will work with them on um, paying a certain portion of their bill for services. And that's kind of based on income and household size. So that's an option for students. And they also have a uh, option called same day self pay. And that would be for uninsured students as well. 
And I think they would be getting a discount with that if they pay for their services on the same day that they receive them. Hmm. So I think there might be a few more options as far as payment goes for the student health center. For the counseling uh, services, things are going to change with billing because uh, when I was talking to Andrew Ficus, who's the manager of uh, CFM Outreach Services, uh, he kind of illuminated that there wasn't really billing happening before with the counseling services. So they had a minimum fee of $10 and that would be waived for any student that really could not pay that fee. Mm. Uh, so that fee has now gone up to $15 and UCS can also bill through insurance now. Gotcha. So I'm not exactly sure what the exact price would be for each appointment. I'm sure it will vary from insurance to insurance. So if a student is part of a health network that maybe pays more for those counseling appointments, that might be a positive change. But I know that the minimum fee has also increased to 15. Uh, But one thing to note is that the university is going to help cover uh, those increased costs, at least through the end of the semester. So I don't think students will be seeing an immediate change with that. But if they utilize UCS regularly, they might want to check in with their insurance coverage as far as the services go and kind of seeing which option works best. I know that telecounseling service that I mentioned earlier is available at no cost. So that might be a good option maybe for students in the future. If there are, op- if there are issues with the uh, insurance coverage, but I remember that Andrew Ficus also told me that with the minimum fee being 15, they're still willing to work with students if they have great financial need and that $15 is like a financial burden to them. Hmm. Yeah, so I think there might be some variance from student to student with those effects just because the insurance can can be so different from person to person. And with UCS, is there any kind of um, system in place for uninsured students? I wasn't aware if there was a system before the switch. Okay. With with the post switch, I guess the the most likely thing would be that fifteen dollar minimum fee, because I uh, I think students will still continue to have the option to not go through their insurance if they wanted to do that for privacy reasons, for example, mm. uh, and then they would most likely have to pay that fifteen dollar minimum. Or if they cannot pay that, they could, I'm sure, ask the uh, people at UCS about what they could do. The final area I wanted to bring up was um, the student workers that are in that area. What's going to kind of happen to them? Yeah. So along with all of the like normal staff that are not students, uh, I think that CFM has really ensured that they're trying to keep everybody that they can on and to maintain employment with everyone as far as like the professional faculty and the nurses and the students. But one thing to note is that when I talked to Andrew Ficus and Dr. Palmer, they illuminated that the institutional pay option might not be available for students in the future. They're still wanting to um, utilize work study and scholarship hours 
but with institutional pay, students who are working right now for institutional pay will continue to be employed through the end of semester at least. But uh, I was told that the institutional students might not be able to work there in the future for institutional pay. I think this might be because CFM is outside of the Truman Institution, like the university as an institution. So that might be one issue uh, with the institutional pay. Um, I wasn't really given a concrete reason as to why students might not be able to work there for institutional pay. But if I was to infer, I guess it might be because CFM is their own sort of healthcare network. Yeah, one thing with that student, uh, with the students continuing to be employed, uh, I think they will be having to fill out some extra paperwork and things like that. So there are a few things that they might have to do amid the switch just because um, CFM is like a medical organization, where whereas like Truman is a educational institution. So there might be some paperwork and things like that as well. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Do you have any, um, I mean, after reporting on it for several weeks, any thoughts? Yeah. So when I went in, I really didn't know a lot about this. And my first inclination or like my first guess as to why they were doing this would be to help with budgeting or like maybe this would be cheaper for the university. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking when I went into it. But I think after the interviews, I think this has the potential to make services more readily available to students just because CFM can offer some more staff. So if Truman staff are not available, like if that's for COVID reasons or other reasons, there are people that can step in to help students, which I think is, is a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think the um, pricing increase for UCS might be a problem for some students. So that that's something that I guess I'm just going to have to wait and see what people are experiencing. Uh, I know I haven't really asked my insurance about like coverage as far as UCS goes. I don't know if um, a lot of students have that covered for their insurance. And like $15 might not seem like a lot to like some people, but I'm not sure if that will be a good change for all students who might've been relying on that $10 fee uh, in the past. So that's kind of one concern I was having. I was really glad to learn that there weren't any layoffs or anything, but I'm also curious about why people might be voluntarily leaving. So I'm kind of curious about that. And I wonder if, more Truman staff will be leaving or if they'll stay. So that's that's definitely something I'm, I'm very curious about as to why people would be leaving. They are expanding their hours as well. So I think that's a really good thing. So it will be Monday through Thursday, nine to seven now, which is, I think, two hours later. Hmm. And they also have Saturday hours. So nine to three on Saturday during the school year. So that, I think that's a really positive thing just as far as having uh, more access to service when students might be so busy they don't have time to go during like that eight to five Monday through Friday time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else I was really thinking about with this. Oh, I think one good thing is that uh, Dr. Palmer and Andrew Ficus, they're both Truman alumni. Hmm. So I think that's really good because they have 
been to Truman, they kind of know the campus a little better than if it was just somebody from a random university or a random town or a different <laughs> state. So I think that might be good because they, they've been on the campus before. They'll know it a little better. I was really glad to learn that when I was doing my interviews. Here's what else you need to know. Brenna Higgins, the Associate Vice President for Student Health and Wellness, is retiring. Higgins has worked at Truman for most of her career, starting as an assistant professor of nursing in 1990. Currently, she oversees a student health center, university counseling services, and the Office of Student Access and Disability. After retirement, Higgins said she plans on spending more time doing community activities, like running for the Adair County Health Department Board of Trustees. Truman is expecting a 6 to 8% decline in enrollment next year, which translates to a $1.6 million reduction in tuition income. Truman will also have 20 faculty retirements. This decline in enrollment is in line with the trend for the past few years. Going from intricate, extravagant pieces in the spring of 2020 to more simple, easy pieces last fall, concerts look different this year for the Wind Symphony Band. Precautions for bands this semester include social distancing, special performance masks, bell covers placed on the end of instruments, and a minimal audience. The performances are also live-streamed. For these stories and more, check out tmn.truman.edu. There, you can also sign up for the Index newsletter, which comes out every Thursday morning. You should also follow along on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Truman Index. See you next week.